Say that podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Yes, it's exciting, and I'm totally awake. It's also the 30s, and we're on radio. That's correct, and I can't wait to get started. Thank you for tuning in to the Dumont Network. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> also the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. I'm here. And it's all the way from Records, Tennessee, via the magic of the internet. It's one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Yes. I'm also excited. Yes. All right, I want to get right to it. I'm going wait, through. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I thought we were going to just go right straight to the wisdom. Do you have something else you want to talk I about? I do. We usually go through a hard time. We usually like to attention. get right into it. Yeah. I, is this like a serious emergency? Look, all bets are off because I am struggling with things. And I need maximum sympathy and maximum attention. I see. I need it. I need it bad. Can we? Okay. Can we? Can we have a preemptive question? When you a say you're question. like, when you say you're struggling with things, is this like we? You need you need sympathy because you're preparing to have the hammer dropped on you by Mrs. Brewer. No, no, that's a good question. No, no amount of the sympathy in the world would help the man in that situation. I, I gotta I gotta stay on the good side of my wife because. Uh, that's just what a smart man does. Yes, yeah. that's, that's right. just the way to play that. But here's the thing: is I'm I'm going I'm going through a rough time, okay. and I appreciate you know you being there for me because I had something very important to me, you know, in my life that really brought me a lot of joy, a lot of satisfaction, right? Um, and it was just in a moment, just cruelly taken away from me by the fickle finger of fate. Wow, just, just all in one go. And I I think on that basis, I do need to declare a very grief stricken. Emergency. Emergency. It's an emergency. Oh my goodness. Look, here's what happened. I I was going along in life and, and you know, I was just minding my own business. I wasn't trying to, you know, you know, do anything. I was right. just living right. you know, the way the way people right. do. And then something new came into my like life. Like Matthew McConaughey taught you, you were just L I V I N. This is what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> You know, and just they say when you're not looking, that's when you find it. Right. This this really amazing thing. It just showed up one day in, yeah, you, in, if in you my love life. It, set it free. Exactly right. And I set it free. But there it was in my life. Right. And for for a period of really a few days, really about 48 hours, man, I mean, it was it was hot and heavy, man. Right. I mean, it was just it was switched on. And yeah. there was there was so much joy and there was so much satisfaction. I felt so alive, Glenn. Mm, right. Like you could the birds were tweeting in the trees. Oh man, just like that. I dude, mean, this, it is was a, just like, this is a good story, dude. Oh, Lee. Oh my that God. is just how how can you how can you do that to a brother, Lee? Uh, you better dude, be outraged. I got your back, like you said. I got your back. All right. Dude. Here, here's the thing. Here's okay. you know, just once we're going to do theater of the mind in this podcast in a way that isn't audibly disgusting to the listener. <laughs> here's what Lee Younger Iscariot <laughs> is doing right now. I want to be clear on this. Okay. Letting us know what the inside of his mouth sounds like. <laughs> Somebody out there is going to tell you, uh, Jed, what he's talking about is that somebody sent him cookies and they were super delicious, and right. then he ate all of them, and then they were gone, and now he's sad. Right, right. Someone's going to tell you that. Right. That's, that's going to be the, hear, the story that you hear. Right. Here's what I'm saying. Don't lower my love with Ooh. those kind of details. Right. You don't know what it was like for me and cookies. Don't, don't you buy there. into the hype. 
You, you couldn't possibly understand the depth of our affection for each other. Really, mine for it, what with it being an inanimate object right. that I did devour. Right. But there was passion there, man. The, the, don't believe the media hype. Dude. This is what I'm talking about. But dude, you're, you're like, I'm feeling the passion, dude. Lee Younger, he still got cookies because he has this thing called self-control, and he's just throwing it in my face by eating them in front of me on camera. It's so cruel. That is that is cruel. I'm just so enjoying like, a show, man. I'm just like I'm. I'm just. This is entertaining. So well, that makes one of us enjoying a show anyway, because uh, I'm about to pull these headphones off and throw them across the room. Here, I've got two things to say on this. All right, get in there. Here's thing number one: is I was out of town. Okay. During the cookie reception process. Okay. Which means I'm sitting on a full fat load of cookies. Are you? And that means I'm 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 dictating terms. Hey, hey, hey Will and Neil. Hey, uh, on, uh, uh, on the island of the the hungry for cookies, the man with cookies is the king. You know we haven't we haven't hung out in a while, Glenn. See what I'm saying? It, it'd be good for us he's to a, hang out. He's already starting to kiss up here. Maybe uh, maybe you want to hang out after the show. <laughs> maybe we we could we could hang out, man. Now you're just creeping me out. You, you yeah. want to hang out? <laughs> well, I'd like to bring up a couple of things before we move well, on. Well, One wait, is, wait, 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 hold up, hold up now. I, and one other thing I must say before we move forward is my cookies also had a note. Okay. Everybody's like, cookies had a note. I would like to read the note that was handwritten to wow, me. Wow, dude. Everybody had a my, handwritten what? note. In my cookies. All cookies came with handwritten notes. Glenn, it says, He comma, continues to ignore that fact because it doesn't fit his narrative. Enjoy. This was for the cookies. Okay. Know. There's a it's in the that we all received and all came with a note. (laughs) Enjoy some southern love, it says, in the form of sweet goodness. Yeah, right. Exclamation point. Yeah. Don't tell the others, but you are my favorite. Yeah. Wow. Here's where here's where the plot goes awry. Signed, Kristen the superfan. Wow. Here's where things go awry, both for Kristen the superfan and for Glenn. That's word for word what my note said. And mine. (laughs) You're trying to sow dissent amongst us, Glenn. My note didn't say anything like that, dude. What did it say? It said Glenn is the best. (laughs) Enjoy these cookies. Now who's (laughs) sucking up, younger? Lee... That is the most awesome thing I've heard all week. <laughs> the one guy in this podcast who isn't that, who, for whom Glenn Lee, isn't Lee, his boss. Lee just Lee just won. You understand? Lee just fully sucked up. I can't tell you. I don't understand how Jed and Matt don't know the rules of the game yet that we're <laughs> <Right>? playing. <laughs> I can't tell you how happy the thought of Kristen writing a note to Lee that says, "I think Glenn is the best." <laughs> yes, is. yeah, that would I mean, be that, that would be great. That's incredible. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't think we fully explored. They were lovely cookies, though right. I'm wondering now if they were laced with something, because yeah. clearly we were trying to sow dissent. Yeah. All three, four, I'm guessing that Lee's note said something similar, despite his his self-aggrandizing protestations. <laughs> don't tell the others. Right. But you're yeah. my favorite. Yeah. that's yeah. You know what that is? It's, it's a spirit of uh, secrecy. And uh, sowing seeds of dissent. But here's and, a question: If you, know, you if you are a true super fan, don't you have don't you love all four? Say that hosts uh, presenters and like at, as if they uh, were the only one. Dude, don't don't do the don't do don't buddy Odom analogy this with like <laughs> I love. Glenn is my favorite, and Jed is my favorite, and Matt is my favorite. Just like we are all Jesus's favorite. 
here, here, here's what I'm saying. You hit me with a golf analogy next, Lee? He's going to go in the white pastor handbag with tricks. <laughs> wow. I that out so hard. And, I and, and, I, I, cause I, I'll tell you why, because I knew exactly where you were going from the first word out of your mouth. <laughs> Here, here's what I want to say about this emergency is, the, the the coolest part about this emergency is that these cookies, these chocolate chip cookies were made with Andy's mints, which yes. if you don't yeah. know what those are. This, this has rendered all previous cookies obsolete. This, yeah. These cookies are operating on a high level of awesomeness. Right. Um, but just to, just to uh, circle back, um, I actually have my note with me that says that that uh, I'm her favorite. Right. Uh, I know you guys didn't bring yours, so... Do you know why? They're alleged uh, notes. I, I'm not sure if we have proof and whether we can be expected to accept your... You do you know, know why I don't have my note with me? Why is that? Because it had essence of Andy's cookie mints <laughs> on it, and so I ate just it. just kept looking at it until it disintegrated, is it? These cookies are tearing us apart! Here, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. On, on one level... Kristen, the super fan, did something incredibly kind and nice and sweet, and we're Woo. very grateful and really appreciative, and it's really awesome. Right. Technically, yes. I mean, that's that's true if you want to be about truth. Yeah. But on another level, I feel like all you've done is hurt all of us right. with these, what I can only describe as vengeance cookies. Plot and scepterfuge. Yeah. I don't care if they're vengeance cookies as long as they got Andy's mints in them. Well, I don't care that, if they're uh, a, a particularly aggressive cookies meant to destroy me. But but see, Matt, this is my point. I, you know, I need you to, to go with me on this. The thing is, given that we know Kristen the Superfan was trying to hurt us with the vengeance cookies, yep. she can apologize with repentance cookies. There no, you go. Because we know the vengeance cookies got the Andy's mints in them. Oh, I don't yeah. know what's in the repentance cookies. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to stir the ire so that there's more vengeance cookies. All right. All right. I, I, yeah. I what see if that. she puts raisins that. in them? It, when, look, when, <laughs> right, if I get a right, cookie with thinking. a raisin, it's almost like I, it's like it's like somebody saying to me, you know what you did. Right. That's <laughs> right. It's okay, a trick. Two things. Right. One, I like oatmeal raisin cookies, and that's racist. <laughs> I don't, th- I don't think that's what racism means, but I feel attacked. Right. Yes. And while. We're busting Lee out for unintentionally stealing from sources. At least the one I was pointing out before that only Lee and I know is Buddy Odom, who's a super great dude and an awesome you know, ministry guy. Right. And that's the sermon analogy I'd heard him use. That sounds suspiciously like a prodigal Sam joke. Now, I'm not saying that Lee stole Whoa, anything from dude. Sam dude on Twitter. I'm saying you had a thought that was similar to one that dude has, and you might have to go in the corner and think about what you did there. Dude. That's a low blow, Kinger. Here's what I'm saying is clearly this podcast is on the brink. Sure. We could go over at any moment. I think if we had any more of these cookies, that might be a thing to just tip it right over. Yeah, just make it all fly into a thousand pieces. So let's a say, thousand delicious pieces. Let's just see what happens with that. I think the thing is clearly Kristen, a, a one lovely super fan, very good hearted person, great supporter of all of us, both on and off the podcast. Um, Some more than others, but yeah. <laughs> Could help yourself, could you? <laughs> that, dude, that was well played. <laughs> Folks at home, that was involuntary. <laughs> it just came out. Yeah. That was like white person black belt. That was in, that was in the chamber, man. But she's clearly decided she would use the cookies 
to make us all dance like so many puppets. That's right. right. And I'm here to say we're fine with that. Yes. 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 We will do whatever humiliating ourselves or each other think on this podcast to make you uh, entertained if there are cookies involved. Especially if they have Andy's mint and not raisins. Oh, yes. Yes. I think we need our next promo campaign needs to be will podcast for cookies. <laughs> because that is, that is the true. Truth. It is really, really true. Well, in, in closing, I've gotten to air my grief. You know, I've gotten to you know be a part of, of Discord and, and Malcontent. And right. you know, so I, before I declare emergency off, I just like, you know, with, with full dignity um, to say, please send more cookies. Please, for the love of all that is decent, Andy's Mints, please, more cookies. Please, I'm not above begging. This is begging. Please send more cookies. <laughs> emergency off. Sure. Or... Conversely, hey, at least you didn't surrender your dignity. Jed. <laughs> That's, right. That's the main thing. Jed can uh, leave this with his head held up high. Yeah. To to Kristen, specifically, whose email address and phone number I have, so I don't particularly know why I'm doing this on the podcast. You could also send the recipe for said cookies to Jed's wife. Oh yeah, you could do that. That'd be great. We would yeah. all appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I I. I I have Kristen's number and email address. Not really sure why I'm doing this podcast, but I really want to cover my bases. Please, please send the recipe. Please. I don't mind begging. This is begging. Please send it. Please, 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 please. We do a lot of... Here's the thing that constantly amazes me about this podcast. We do a lot of good work, and we help the people, and we get a nice comeback. But sometimes it just gets so weird and sad from our end. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not sure if we've really used this first segment... To set ourselves up as people that someone would want spiritual advice <laughs> right, from. Right. Because we're kind of flinging insults and begging on bended knee for, <laughs> More cookies, for cookies. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, don't get me wrong, we're going to keep doing it. We're not going to change. But right. that's, that's what we're doing. But between Kristen, an awesome super fan, and Mike and Nicole, who sent us the, the snickerdoodles earlier, I feel like we're really entering the cookie phase of this podcast project. I'm pretty excited about that. Well, here's the thing: is you know, uh, you know, J- J- you know, Lee works with the Utes down in the Tennessee. Works at the uh, does stuff with the with the jailhouse down there as well. And uh, you know, we we do jailhouse stuff. We do street stuff as well. And uh, that's where all this amazing wisdom comes from. And it sort of fries your brain. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So, you know, you got to you gotta take a little bit of the, you know. And here's all I'm saying. If cookie molecules are key to unlocking the wisdom, uh, as it so clearly is. I believe that, Pascal wrote about that. Absolutely <laughs> right. Then, then why deny yourself or us? That kind of uh, support is all well, I'm so saying. You're saying help us help you. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. This is a wisdom machine that runs on cookies. There you have it. Well, that's a certain amount of shameless shilling and begging, and now it's time for a different kind of shameless shilling. <laughs> We'd also like you to sign up for Bridgebox. Nice segue. <laughs> we don't, occasionally, we've talked in the history of this podcast, like, do we want to like make little radio drops and stuff? Right. And We don't, because that's not really the vibe we're going for, but it's also Who nice that time? Glenn can do it himself. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have any feelings on it being Rocktober by any chance, Glenn? <laughs> it's two for Tuesday. <laughs> it's it a rock two. block. <laughs> I'm afraid that some of our younger listeners have never listened to terrestrial radio and, and don't know what any of this means. Check us out on the morning zoo. Oh, I wish I had a slide with whistle. Billy and Goober. <laughs> <laughs> Billy and Goober in the mornings. I wish I had a cowbell. All right. 
We would like to sign up for Bridgebox. <laughs> I'm going to get. I'm going to ditch the idea of a segue altogether and just say that. Visionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Here's what you give us is eight dollars a month. Here's what we give you: a monthly digital magazine of songs and sermons and movies and writings and devotionals from world leading experts. We've got p- folks who work uh, with uh, people coming out of drug addiction right here in Chicago. We've had um, some a guy who does really world class homeless ministry on the north side. We've got a. Uh, We've had a Young Life staff person we know. We've had uh, we got a Wheaton professor lined up to write something down the pike. So we, we get some folks that we know. We get uh, great musicians, Jed and Lee, chief amongst them, but also folks like our friend Alexander Webb, who's been featured on uh, the MTVs. We've got our friend Southern Harmonic. We've got uh, our buddy Nino. Lots of really cool mus- musicians from around the country who contribute. And all that pointed towards a topic. We're getting towards the end of October where our topic was, what can someone like me do about injustice? So you got... A big question that's uh, got a lot of angles, and we give you two sermons, multiple worship songs, a big devotional piece, some Bible studies. You can take all that, steal it, send it around to your friends, use the Bible study, claim it as your own. You can; It's yours to do with what you will. And in return, so you get ministered to, and you give us a paltry $8 a month, which then goes to hire people we are ministering to to do more ministry. It is a perpetual motion machine of ministry. Now, normally I'm, I would be against that because I believe in honoring the laws of thermodynamics, which is a very <laughs> deep-cut Simpsons joke that to the point that really no one else got it. That was well played. We've gone full on that, but nice it's job. very good. It's, uh, that's, it's about, here's our pledge to you, is we can, as far as we can tell, it's the most ministry $8 a month can fund anywhere in the world that anyone's currently doing. That is our totally not at all ironclad, don't email me examples promise to you. You also got the Lee Younger version where you get a brand new on, track man. from Lee every month, a video of him doing a little teaching and some stuff that he has curated from previous bridge boxes. That's missionusa.com slash BBLY. So you can sign up for those. All right, we're going to jump to our first question. This came to us via Glenn's blog. Hmm. You can find that at the uncleglenn.com, U-N-K-A-G-L-E-N.com. Dot, dot Tumblr.com. I thought you had uncleglenn.com that redirected. Oh, does it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> I don't really understand how the internet works. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> they say it's a series of tubes. Sure. You'll often find Glenn at the front door in his bathrobe. When I say, Glenn, what are you doing? Waiting for the email. That's, right. uh, yeah. that's that a confirmation, by the way, on the uncleglenn.com. It does reroute to a, to a really popular blog. Well, I think that's what you all get for doubting me, and that's a lesson you should take home with you. Wow. But it is very popular, Lee. It's good that you mentioned that. It's extremely popular. It's so popular that sometimes people have a question for the podcast, and they think, I don't want to fool with other URLs. I'm on UncleGlenn.com all day, every day anyway. There you go. I'm just going to submit it here. We have such a case. This person writes in, Hi, Unca, which I think... Glenn may have posted into this message before he emailed it to me <laughs> just to drive home who daddy is. Yeah. Just uh, just in case we got any, uh, we're going to get right out of the way up top there. There you go. Good thing. You're, you're right on top of that. <laughs> and that keeps going. I've come to you for advice before, and apparently it's gone well because she's come back, about my boyfriend breaking up with me. Since then, he has progressed to becoming a bully and kind of a stalker, telling people to flip me off when they see me. Wow. Okay, following me around campus, waiting for me in the parking lot, forced me out of my church via his family and friends. I'm starting to realize why the ex-boyfriend part's coming in the thing here. Despite all of this, I still really love him and am struggling with moving on, especially since I lost my friends and church home in the process. I'm so lost on how to move on. Glenn, start us off. 
Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we're sorry that this has happened. Obviously, yeah, it's uh, not cool. Uh, this is this is not the the way that uh, you want these things to go. Um, this is uh, uncool behavior, to say the absolute least. Yeah. Um, it, and I think I get a sense of what you're saying when you say you still really love him. You know, uh, you know, when you truly do love someone, it's not something you just flip a switch and it turns off. It just it doesn't work that way. Right. Uh, you still have feelings for the person, regardless of the uh, the way that things are going, the way things have ended. And of course, you 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 have memories of the relationship when it was good. Uh, but there's also another thing that we want to inspire in you, and that is self-respect. Yeah, yep. that yeah. you respect yourself and your life, and your you have your expectations set in such a way that you recognize this dude has basically permanently disqualified from disqualified himself from the available to date you world. Yeah. Uh, he has he has left that possibility um, uh, altogether, uh, uh, just as a as a non-starter here. Uh, here's here's what I want to pitch back to you. Uh, three possibilities. I think one possibility here is that uh, what you're loving, so to speak, is uh, kind of the the drama and the uh, sort of the excitement and sort of the 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 um, I don't know how to say it. The that that sense of emotional turmoil that surrounds all this stuff. And sure, this is just act two of the romantic comedy. Yeah, see, sometimes we just get wound up in the what's going on with it kind of thing, and you're at the center of attention, so it's a whole thing. Um, uh, some people's lives don't have a lot of meaning to it. It's when you're a student, you're in school, and it's, it's hard to get a meaningful life going. So you, there's a tendency, I think, for some people to replace drama to put drama where that where there's a lack of meaning there. We want you to have a meaningful yeah. life, and so the drama just doesn't fit. Uh, possibility number two is you're in love with the idea of being in love, uh, and that's true for a lot of people. Uh, you know, you 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 want to be in love. You want to yeah. be in a relationship. Uh, you had a bit of that, and you really enjoyed it. I mm. think that okay, that's good. But the key is to find someone with whom you can have a healthy relationship. And possibility number three uh, is that you don't like being broken up. Uh, I'm hearing more and more as as I'm talking to uh, college students and stuff about. Uh, uh, couples who stay together longer and longer and longer because there's sort of a stigma to dating and then breaking up. Yeah. It's the idea that we're supposed to take these dating relationships so super seriously that if we don't really end up getting engaged and, and getting married, we've pretty much failed somewhere in here. And so you're admitting something horrible about yourself and sort of stigmatizing yourself by breaking up. If that's a possibility of of kind of part of the thinking of this, of I should be trying to make this work, or I should be, you know, exploring these feelings that I have for him, or whatever those other things are, I think we have to dismiss that altogether. It's well and truly time for you to move on for somebody where you can have a healthy relationship with. That's a really great point. One of the things about that is, which I think I've actually heard someone say point blank to me, and I imagine you guys have heard the same on kind of blog stuff, is uh, I don't want to date because if we break up, that's essentially getting divorced. Yeah. It's and not. it comes with all the weird it's guilt not. and stuff. Here's yeah, the thing: if you ain't married, you can't get divorced. Yeah, that's that's correct. what divorce means. Yeah, yeah. That's. I bet you're absolutely right on all that stuff. And uh, Lee, uh, can you speak a little bit to the idea of, to in the in the uh, interest of 
kind of taking the situation as it is, finding new people who won't follow your jerky ex-boyfriend's lead? Well, absolutely. And that's one of the things that's so weird about this, you know, about this situation is just the way that this dude has people kind of rallied around really, really uncool behavior. And, and that, and I mean, this really stinks for you. We hate to hear this is a tough situation to be in. It's a tough spot to be in. And I think one of the things that you need to do is to distance yourself from it. When, when, when a lot of people get it in their mind to act in very uncool ways, sometimes this kind of bad behavior can, can kind of snowball, get, get kind of into a, a mob mentality. Everybody just starts acting the same way and stuff like that. And, and one of the things that you need to do is just to distance yourself from it, you know, physically and stuff like that, just to kind of move away from it. Now, one of the problems that with, with the days that we're living in right now is that everybody, like, even if you were like, I'm going to hang out at a different coffee shop and I'm going to go a different route to my classes or whatever, is that you've still got Snapchat and you know Instagram and all that kind of stuff, and so you're still in certain ways you still have these connections, and and for some reason, and I see this a lot working with high school and college kids, and and it's both high school and college kids. Uh, they they feel like they just cannot unfollow somebody. They just yeah. feel like it's yeah. a wrong thing to do. And people have these apps that they tell you if somebody unfollowed you and stuff like that. Well, well I don't want to unfollow them because, you know, I mean, yeah, this is tough that we're going through this thing right now. And yeah, and some people are treating me bad on Twitter and stuff like that. And they're and they're saying rough things about me. But I don't want to unfollow them because that's that's like in our culture, that's like the worst thing you can do to somebody. And it's like, you know what? It's really not. It's it's yeah. really not yeah. a big deal. All you do is you push a button and then magically they are not on your feed anymore. And and it's 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 hard for me to stress how freeing that will feel to you, how freeing yeah. it will feel to to have to get that nonsense out of your face and out of your head, and and it's a it's a kind of a cliche that that you know that 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 getting distance from these things and, and getting time in between you and this relationship is going to heal it, but it really really will. I mean, if you if you unfollow this dude and and some of these friends that are misbehaving, and you make some space, and you do go to a different coffee shop, and you do go out of your way, like like Matt was kind of leading off on this, to to find some different people, to find some different people to hang out with, either in a different campus ministry or whatever, it's amazing how quickly you your your heart and your spirit and you will recover emotionally and every and you know socially and all this kind of stuff. But you've got to be. You've got to make the break on some of these things. And I know a lot of young people do not want to do that. They don't want to hit that yeah. unfollow button. But I'm telling you, it is a very freeing thing to do. And nothing happens. You know, we're all afraid. What, what if what if they what what if that's the worst thing that we can do? Nothing happens. Just unfollow them. It's fine. Yeah. And yeah. and it will really, really help you. Let me uh, jump in and speak to that uh, freedom uh, that Lee's talking about. I think that's that's so key. Um, there's a lot of freedom ahead of you, and this is going to sound odd, but there's a there's a silver lining in your situation, which is sometimes in life. Here, here's what happens inevitably: is you know people date uh, or they are married, but you know they they date and they they break up, and then people around them feel like, well, now we kind of all have to choose sides. You know, I mean, who's who's with him and who's with her? And you actually don't, but people people feel that way, and you know, and there's always at least a little bit of awkwardness on that and and besides and so forth that's not what this is what you're describing here the idea that people would flip you off Mm. when they see you understand these people have done you an incredible incredible favor by showing you you don't want to be at their church ever again 
You don't want to be around them ever again. Yeah, not only is that really uncool, that's the saddest type of really uncool I've ever heard. (laughs) What they are are showing you in no uncertain terms is, we are weirdos, and you really should be somewhere else. That would be better for you in every way. In fact, anyone who's not clear, who's not 100% clear that this is unacceptable behavior, is someone you should add to the list of people disqualified from your life permanently. That's actually the right way to play that. So there's a ton of freedom in finding not massively dysfunctional people to be around um, and we all want to encourage you to pursue that with everything you've got you deserve to be around people who love you and believe in you people who are not going to be openly disrespectful to you when they see you but that leads to one other thing as you pursue that freedom as you get that distance that Lee's talking about as you make the changes Glenn's talking about we want to be clear about one other thing too this behavior that you're describing is not cute. Um, it's not, you know, kind of a, a, as Matt put it, the charming second act of a romantic comedy. This is actually a behavior that borders on illegal. Is actually right. yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, uh, it depends a little bit on on the the laws of the municipality where you're at, but. This stuff is right on the threshold of stuff where it's time to get the authorities involved. Absolutely. Um, if it goes a hair past where it is now, it is definitely time to get the authorities involved. Mm-hmm. No question at all about it. This is unacceptable behavior. It's uncool behavior. In many places, it's illegal behavior. You don't have to start with the police. If you're on a college campus, you can talk to people at the college and make them aware. It would certainly be a good idea to talk to the leadership at this church and make them aware. I'm um, not to talk to them with the idea that you would keep going there but just just so you know here's what your people right. are doing uh, but this is behavior that is not okay it's not cool again in there are places where it's not legal you have rights um, and I want to encourage you uh, it sucks that you have to stand up for yourself but I want to encourage you to do that um, uh, uh, sometimes in life in, in order to be treated in an appropriate way we do have to stand up for ourselves but again I want to be crystal clear if this goes any farther than what it's currently at it's it's unacceptable and and probably illegal as this but if it goes any farther than this your next step needs to be to contact the authorities uh there's no question about that and to that point you made a great point about anybody who doesn't think this is um totally uncool is just not someone to be around unfortunately uh Colleges, being a particular area, have a not a great history with taking young ladies' complaints seriously. Yeah, and if right. you go to uh, campus security, if you go to a, someone at the church, an older person, they go, "Oh, this is boys being boys, and it's because he still likes not." No, none of that crap's right. Yep, nope. Someone waiting in a parking lot for you is harassment. Yes, it may not meet the legal definition, it may whatever, but you're not taking crazy pills. We're gonna be clear for this one. Yeah, that is not a way to behave. That is not okay. Yeah, we're not fine going forward with that. So we do have this really uncool behavior. And Glenn, maybe you can speak to the fact that not only is this not, you know, the charming second act of the uh, love story, this was never love. Whatever this was, this was not, this doesn't have anything to do with love. Absolutely. I'm very glad you brought brought it to that. Because here's the thing. uh, uh, I think it's great on some level if you love him or you love anyone, that's, that's good and cool. This person is not capable. He's not in a place where he's able to receive that love in an adult way and love you back and give you a quality relationship. This is not grown folks' behavior. This is not how adults handle their problems. There may be people who are uh, of adult age but are are not of an adult maturity that would do this kind of stuff. Um, in, In small doses, it might be flattering to have a little bit of extra attention. But as Jed's suggesting... 
this is the kind of stuff that can spiral way out of control really, really quickly. Uh, it It's uh, a, the kind of thing where you may be saying to him, you know, I'll always love you, but I don't think we should date. Well, you can see how that is uh, making life confusing for him. Uh, not that not that you're responsible for his behavior. Certainly, we're not suggesting that. But we, we, we are saying that you need to be clear with him. This relationship is over. Yeah. That's it. Full stop. We're both going to move on. We're both going to date other people. We've both learned lessons on this thing. But this thing is over. It's not going to come back. It's not. We're not going to try this again. Anyone that will behave in this way lacks maturity, and they definitely definitely lack respect for you and that's i you know i i I think it's very important that you put that high in your list here's what philippians 3 verse 13 says and this is paul speaking uh one thing i do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead that's what it means to be a christian forgetting what is behind and straining towards what's ahead uh, this stuff is, is is needs to get into your rearview mirror. Yeah. You need to move forward and find healthy relationships here, and you absolutely can that can do that. But we have to close the door on this and say, I've got a certain type of love for this guy. I have fond memories of this thing, but uh, uh, in in many respects, I dodged a bullet here. Well, to that point of the dodge bullet, you, you mentioned at the end of your question. You know, I'm struggling with moving on. Which, by the way, we we. Can't say this enough. Just because you're struggling with moving on does not mean it was a good or healthy relationship to be in. Yeah. Right. It means a breakup, no matter what the situation the relationship, is a somewhat traumatic event. That's that's just a fact of that. That does mm. not mean that there's anything that's not your, you know, your subconscious or the universe or whatever telling you that you should be together. That just means nobody likes breakups. So don't read too much into that. You might want to say, you know, I feel I'm trying to move on, especially since I lost my friends in home church in the process. That's a very good point. And now not only dealing with um, kind of harassing behavior, this is where we trigger into some signs of abusive behavior. Yeah. yeah. Again, this may not meet, this probably doesn't meet any sign of domestic abuse, or partner abuse, or whatever, but one of the almost invariable patterns that domestic abuse falls into is isolating the person being abused. Mm, yeah. So... Sounds a lot to me like we've got dude broke up with you, which, by the way, I also understand how that's a bit of the uh, the thing screwing with your mind here because you immediately get broken up with. Your first thought, as most normal people it is, I don't want to be broken up with, so what can I do to fix it? So then it's a little hard to let go of the idea of wanting to fix it and mm. moving into bullet dodged. But sounds a lot like a dude who broke up with you wasn't quite done Maybe the other ladies did not come flocking the way he would thought if he were a well a bachelor about the town. For whatever reason, this is not cool behavior, and I don't think it applies in this case. But let's say there are some softer versions of this where uh, something falls apart and people are acting uncool to you. Sometimes it's possible to repair that situation. Again, I don't think that's what's going to go on here, but you can call it out. You can call people to a little bit of their higher yeah. self. Lee, can you talk through that a little bit? Yeah, that's one of those things earlier we were saying, you know, you get people get into this mob mentality and and it's like all of a sudden we're all we're all on this really crappy behavior but you know every now and then you know, and 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 this can happen with an individual too, but you know, somebody just says something uncool or mean well actually christy and i have noticed this a lot with with our kids you know people people will like they'll, they'll come up to our kids 
and they'll say something in a joking manner that's really uncool. They'll just yeah. they'll just say something that's not very nice in a you know they're mm. being you know they're joking, you know oh look at your dad I I you know I, I bet he's this or that and my kids are like I really love my dad I don't really know what you're talking about you know and but people think that's that's all fun we're just gonna all make fun of people that's what we do to have fun and you know our yeah. our kids look at these people like why are you acting like this you know and and sometimes you know uh, the the reason that this kind of stuff gets perpetuated is nobody does anything nobody says anything back but you can pull somebody aside and just say hey man you're better than this. Yeah. You know, you 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 really don't have to be like this. You you don't you don't have to say uncool stuff. You know, and and it, you know, if you have people in your life that are like like Jed saying this is borderline really really illegal and abusive behavior. But when you have people that are are doing something to you that's just really uncool, you really don't appreciate it. There's nothing wrong with you just pulling a person aside and say, "You know what? Let's not do that." And you, yep. you know, I, I've seen you, you, you don't have to be like this. You can be something else. And sometimes when you call somebody to that, when you kind of, you cast, it's a really a casting a vision, like you could be something better. People sometimes respond to that in a really good way. They're like, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. That was really uncool. And, and I've actually heard, Glenn, I feel like I've heard you talk about that with, with guys that you work with, you know, just kind of calling people out to a, a better version of themselves. And, and yeah. they're really thankful to have somebody actually believe in them. Nobody's really ever said that yeah. before. Right. I think that's an absolutely great point. Once again, I just want to, just so we can put a, a highlighter on it and go back to this point. In this situation, these people you're calling their higher selves is not the ex-boyfriend. No. Right. That dude is written off. He's dead to us. He, there's no good coming from that. But there are people at the church. There are people who, as Lee's saying, they got a little cut up in the Bob mentality. And it's po- it might be possible to put your hand on their shoulder and say, what Come are on. you getting out of this? Come yeah. on, man. Right. And breaking the spell. One thing, this goes for a lot of these. We talk about these confrontational uh, situations. And this, this case is pretty fraught. So uh, you may feel alone or whatever. You've got at least one friend, family member, pastor, whatever's on your side. I wouldn't be having any of those conversations alone. Mm, I would yeah. have somebody else in the coffee shop who can look at it because that way it doesn't turn into, oh, well, she said such and such. And, you yeah. know, you got to keep an eye on it because when people are acting um, this crazy, and again, it is crazy, assuming the best that they will behave like rational people doesn't actually get you anywhere in the long run. But we've got your back. If you need uh, help on next steps or actually con- who to contact, counseling, whatever that stuff, we Absolutely. hit us up at the email address. We'll get it out at the end. Get Glenn on his blog and we'll. Definitely help you through that. We're going to move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, should Christians hang out with quote unquote bad company? I'm confused because I know Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors and he came from this for the sick, not the healthy. We should reach out to them for the sake of ministry and evangelism. However, I see countless examples in the Bible where it warns us not to associate with sinners and evildoers like first Corinthians 15, 33, Psalm 24, Psalm one, second Corinthians six, the latter of which, that's the the one we I think we talked about last uh, episode with the don't be un- unequally yoked. Some people say that applies to more than just marriage. Where is that line? Jake, can you kick us off? Uh, I sure can. Here's the thing that I think you're looking for and that I think Christians are really bad at is proportion. I think that's a lot of what we're dealing with here. And I think particularly uh, you know, Christians in Western countries really, really, really struggle with the idea of a little is okay and a lot is a problem. Um, I, I th- they want things to either be completely good, no matter how much of them we do, okay. or completely bad, no matter how much of them we do. And the truth is there are very, very, very few things like that. Um, adultery is always bad in all degrees. Um, there's, there's, you know, likewise murder, 
always bad in all degrees, but but almost everything else, it actually really depends a lot on on the degrees. I mean, Jesus, for example, talked about people taking prayer to weird places, yeah. you know, people, you know, using prayer to self-aggrandize and whatnot. And if you ask Christians, could prayer be bad? Could you ever, you know, do prayer wrong? Could you overdo prayer? I think most Christians would say wrong, but Jesus wouldn't agree with that. Um, in fact, he you know, specifically talked about that. So I think the thing, again, that we're looking at here is proportion, the idea that, that a certain amount is okay, and uh, past that point, it becomes less good, and then it becomes a problem. A lot of that has to do with monitoring your own spiritual health. And this is another place that I think a lot of Christians really struggle. If you talk to an athlete, I mean, someone that was really like a professional athlete, a performance, you know, elite athlete, and you talk to them about physical training and about their body, they are attuned to how their body is doing and what's impacting it in a way that you and I are not. They have a sense of, I ate this yesterday, that's going to have this effect tomorrow. I did this earlier in the week, that's going to have this effect later in the week. You know, I'm, I'm feeling stronger on this movement, but not on this movement, so I need to do this kind of training. They're paying very, very close attention to all of the performance metrics of their body because they need to do something. They, whatever their event is, whatever their thing is, they need to be able to get to that event and perform at a certain level, and so they're monitoring very closely. Well, it turns out, you can do the same thing with your spiritual life and with your emotional life. And people where that stuff really matters actually do that. Um, uh, Glenn is a very good example where Glenn monitors the effect that things are having on his spiritual walk and his emotional life very carefully because we work in an environment where if you're not on point, you say the wrong thing, someone will stab you. Um, so you really, really, really need to be on, on point. One of the things I've heard Glenn talk about is he had a friend, this is many years ago now, but uh, as a, a fellow who was a, a gang leader who, um, was also just a good personal friend of Glenn's. And I've heard Glenn talk about, you know, I was doing a lot of ministry to the guy. And one day I realized I'm spending so much time with this guy. He's rubbing off on me. Um, I can see the very early seeds of that and it's not positive. I need to rethink this. I need I need to to adjust fire. I need to, and that's the same as an athlete talking about um, physical training, talking about you know, the the diet and the exercise, saying, "Yeah, you know, I'm doing this one thing, and it's not getting me the results that I want." Here's how that matters to you: pay attention to your heart, pay attention to your soul, pay attention to your walk with the Lord. If you find that. God, here's two things we can be sure of. God is calling you to be in the world. It says right. be in the world, but not of the world. God is calling you to interact with people who are not Christians. Full stop. No question. God is also telling you to mind your heart and be careful of your spiritual condition. There can be no question about either of those things. The issue is proportion. If you pay attention to how things are going in your heart, in your brain, in your thought life, your prayer life, what you may begin to find is certain people and certain amounts of interaction with those people make all that worse. And then certain people and certain amounts of interaction with those people make parts of that better. That's the stuff we want to be mindful of. When things are starting to have a negative impact, we want to pull back. If things are starting to have a positive impact, we want to do a little bit more. But I think we'll begin to learn that proportion by actually paying attention to what's going on inside of us. That's really great. I think one of the things that brings up, and we're going to expound on this, is the story with the gang leaders, a great example of lines of influence. Can you explain that concept for us? Yeah, I think that's the thing is who's influencing who? Uh, I, I think uh, we were talking in our last podcast about th- this idea of uh, people who celebrate our victories. You know, mm-hmm. if we look at your circle of friends um, and say, okay, how many of these people celebrate our victories with us? 
that's for me that's a, a profoundly small number of people yeah uh it's 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 just a fact it's a, I, i've just eliminated a huge chunk of people i know that small small subset of people are the people i would consider being close friends with yeah those are the ones who are eligible to go to the next round um <clears throat> so is there a rose involved at any point yeah uh the, then there's a torch and it's a whole thing but um here's the thing is um the reason why is because i'm looking at my life and saying okay i want to be uh influenced positively by people that i love and that love me uh that being around them is an encouragement to me and an uplifting me and yes, in some cases, I'm reciprocating that. I mean, I have that kind of relationship with my wife, for example. Uh, so, um, you know, that that's possible. But generally speaking, uh, there are people who are who are in my life giving me encouragement, encouragement uplifting me, uh, giving me advice, all those kinds of things. And I want to nurture those relationships and cultivate those relationships. Then I have relationships where that's not going on, Okay. Uh, so if I look at all the people where they are not being a positive influence on me, then I'm looking at everyone else and saying, am I being a positive influence on them? Okay. The truth is uh, that's another small subset. So that means there's a small number of people, uh, maybe not super small, but there's a, there's a group of people who are not a positive influence on me, but they're letting me be a positive influence on them. So now that's a ministry situation. It's a one-way situation. It's meant to be that way. I get my encouragement from my people, uh-huh. and then I go and visit with this person and encourage them and lift them up. And so it's, there's a balance to that, and everything's beautiful. But then what I have to look at is all the people who are in between – who are a negative influence on me, but won't let me be a positive influence on them. Yep. And those are people who got to get writ out. Yep. Here's the problem with that. Those are most of the people that you're going to church with. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. that, that's where the problem comes in, uh, th- where that's sort of this neither nor kind of relationship. And we're, we, we've got a lot of that. And we're, sometimes we're just kind of stewing in that and floating around sure. in that. So I think that's uh, what we have to explore is uh, who is influencing who. That's absolutely great. And following up on that, I think this goes to that point. You make a great point about the kind of ministry thing. One of the things that helps define those lines of influence is who's getting what out of a relationship yeah. and who needs what from whom in a relationship. Yeah. Lee, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's it's really just another it's just another way to look at the same concept just just from a, a little bit different angle. You look at the people in your life and say, "What do I need from them? Is there anything I need from them?" You know, I've got I've got people in my life that I'm reaching out to. If I hung out with them all the time, they'd drag me down. They don't have there's nothing positive that they bring into my life. But I don't need anything from them. Uh, I am I am offering them something. You know, and but then there are other people in my life. I I go to them. I need encouragement. I need I need somebody to. I need them to pray for me. I need them to have my back. There there are people in my life that here's what I need from them. I need a place to sit down and vent all of my frustrations and problems and confusions, and I need them to listen to me, to to berate the people who are frustrating me along with me. And, you know, and, and to, uh, to be confused where I'm confused and to, to sit with me in the middle of that thing. 
And I, you know, I, I need that at times. There are other times when I need somebody to speak truth into my life. There are people that I need stuff from. And those people are, I, I, they have gone through, as Glenn is describing, a very, very intense selection process. That is a very, that, that's, that's, a, that's a process you want to put a lot of thought and care into. Who gets to speak into my life? Who do I need stuff from? And who needs things from me? And that's, that's the way that I look at it. And, and a lot of times that line is, you know, who is ministering to me and who am I ministering to? Now there's a lot of back and forth when you're when you're really really close friends with somebody you get this really cool thing where one day you're ministering to me the next day I'm ministering to you and we've got this kind of level playing field where we help each other out we've got each other's back for a lot of people in my life this is I am putting I, I am I have output where I'm I am encouraging them, I'm building them up, I'm speaking into their life, and I am not looking for that from them. I, I'm, I'm getting that from other people. And so for me, it is a question of that. That's, that's kind of where the line is, is are you, and, and, and here's, to me, this is the question, are you serving that person or are you coming to that person to help you get where you need to be? Yeah, I think that's absolutely a great point. I would uh, let's. I want to take a real quick look before we got this question at some of the scriptures you point out. Because here's the thing: when you look at the Bible and it says things that seemingly contradict, you know, it looks like this is A, it looks like this is B. Sometimes that just contradicts, and we got to take a knee and say, clearly, God understands how these things relate in a way that I don't. Right. But sometimes, if you look a little deeper, maybe dig into the Greek, but maybe just kind of look at what's being said, you'll find out that these don't actually contradict the way they seem to do on the surface. And I think that's part of what's going on here. So you cite um, 1 Corinthians 15.33, which says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Very clear statement. However, what, it does not, what that statement does not do is define what bad company means. Because mm. you'll notice it does not say, you will notice, you, don't be deceived, hanging out with non-Christians corrupts good morals. Yeah, right. Yeah. He could have said that. He had those words. He didn't say that. That's exactly. the point. Now, there you also, let's see if I can find this here, the psalm you talk about, Psalm uh, 24, where it talks about God says he hates being around the deceitful and the hypocrites. Now, if someone's not claiming to believe in something, they can't not act in a way in accordance with that. Therefore, they can't really be hypocritical about that. Exactly. There's some, a lot of examples here to point to is that we point to a lot. Is you point out, you know, Jesus hanging out with uh, tax collectors and sinners. And in the Bible, when he gets confronted on that, he doesn't say to the Pharisees, now look, I mean, all honestly, I'd much rather be hanging out with you guys because, you know, you're all squared away and religious and whatnot, and we could talk about Hebrew, and that sounds cool, but I got to be with these people because I'm reaching out to them, and I'll, we'll hang out later. He says, these people know they need, when he's talking about, you know, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick, That everybody's the sick in that. Yeah. The difference there was you got the church people who weren't really going to admit that they needed any help. Yeah. And then you had people who knew they were a little busted. That's kind of what carries over here. We're talking about that kind of fellowship and that kind of being together. If you got, as Glenn was pointing out, church people who are just never going to admit that they have a real problem. Yep. It's all just, I, you know, I'm, I'm almost perfect, but sometimes I get angry in traffic, so I'm really praying about that. And as soon as we go to that, we're, just, we're bound for glory. Yep. 
it's not really how that goes. And maybe, Glenn, you got a pretty good beat on this. Can you talk about that idea of honest sinners versus uh, hypocritical church people? Absolutely. I, the, the verse that, that explains all this for me and, and, and sets it out quite clearly is 1 Corinthians 5. And, uh, this is verse 9 through 11. He says, and this is Paul speaking now to the Corinthians who had a lot of freaky, deaky, sexual, weird things going on. And he's trying to That's talk to them. That's the original Greek as well. Yeah. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Huh. Greedy made that list, huh? It really, really I did. I don't hear them talk about that in church. He's interesting. You really, really mm. don't. Here's the, to me, it's a very simple bottom line. I think this verse perfectly well speaks for itself. And here's the thing. As clear as this verse is, I get asked about this all the time, this one verse. <laughs> Because it can't mean that it, it, exactly right. It seems to say it would be better for us to hang out with people who are sinners and know that they're sinners and are open to being helped, which is true for us in our day job in inner city Chicago, talking to gang members like you would not believe. I mean, they are open to what we have to say about the Lord. They are respectful of us and what it is that we're saying, and they give consideration to everything that we tell them. It's better to hang out with those people, this verse is saying, than to spend time hanging out with someone who claims to be a Christian but has a life that shows them to be hypocritical, going back to what Matt was talking about. That's absolutely right. Got anything to tack on the end here, Jed? All right, then we will move on to our next question. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr box. It says, how should Christians form opinions about issues that aren't directly addressed in the Bible? For example— Assisted suicide. Lee, can you kick us off? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think all these brothers are going to have awesome answers on this. But the place that I'd love to start it is that, um, and for a lot of Christians, that this is just this is just something that they they cannot accept, which is you don't have to have a dogmatic opinion about everything. Yeah, Hello. I mean, and here's the thing: you you can feel free to not form an opinion, and when people get in your grill about where are you on this, you can feel free to say, "I don't have an opinion about that." And right. th this lovely thing happens where their jaw is open and the conversation is over, and you get to move on to someone else in the room. It's a really yep. interesting prospect. But here, and now this is very very important. When there is a very emotionally charged issue and you don't have somebody that you actually love, you actually yeah. know and love who is in that situation, which let me pause, put a parenthesis around this and say, in other words, you don't actually care about this very much you don't actually have a reason to care about this very much, it would be wise for you, oh believer, to decide not to form a dogmatic opinion about this. Yes, if, sir. Uh, so here's an example of that. Um, Christians 
are so loud about the homosexuality thing. They're so loud about it. A lot of times they're so unkind about it. And what I would say is, just as an example, if you don't have anybody in your life who you know and love who is gay, then you need to not be vocal about that situation because you don't know what you're talking about. And you don't know how yes, you would sir. feel yeah. if if you had somebody that you truly love who was who was, you know, either, you know, a believer in Jesus who's struggling with same sex attraction or is you know is a non believer, you know, whatever whatever. You don't know how you would feel about that. Therefore, you don't need to be. You don't need to enter into the conversation. My whole point is, uh, just because you're a Christian, you don't have to enter into every conversation. There are definitely, you know, these brothers will break down. Here's how you form an opinion on things that the Bible doesn't necessarily address. Well, before we get into any of that, it's good to realize I don't actually. There's nothing forcing me to have an opinion about it. I don't have to engage in those conversations. I don't have to get heated. My blood pressure doesn't have to rise. I don't have to engage in those arguments. I don't have to do that. Amen. Amen. That is absolutely right. So Glenn, can you uh, talk to us a little bit about how we go about forming those correct opinions? Absolutely. Lee was talking about recently on the podcast, the idea of uh, getting into scripture as a way of uh, understanding on sort of a macro level, what God's character is. Mm. I think that we have to understand, um, when we're talking about Bible stuff, half the time we're uh, talking about that in sort of a microscopic context where we're zeroing in on these scriptures and we're digging down through the Greek and we're dissecting we're, them like, and diagramming. Yeah, we're dis- yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and that can be great for pulling out a, a little nugget of truth or something that colors our understanding in a really cool way. That's good, good stuff. But it's just as important for us to pull the focus way, way, way back to where we can uh, see all of this forming one large continuous whole. Uh, and here's the thing, and uh, I'm also tying this in with something that Jed has said recently on the podcast, which is uh, to, to suggest that if you are reading Scripture and you're getting into prayer and you have a sense of who it is that God is, a sense of his character— a sense of how he handles things, the kinds of things he would say, mm. and then someone teaches you something, even if it's out of the Bible, that doesn't click with what you know to be true about yep. God, then that's something you want to wrestle with because often you're going to find that this person, their take may be only off by degree, uh, by degree, but the way they're presenting it and whatever is is way way down the road from the truth, and and you're right to be disagreeing with the way that's being presented and and the the the, the, the sort of the the layout of that. So I think the point there is uh, that we're looking to get a, a, um, a, a sort of a, a one. Uh, uh, image of Christ where all these things that we learn about them are like puzzle pieces and we're fitting it in and the, it's becoming clearer and clearer as we go. When I'm in a counseling situation, every now people will say, you know, I, you know, I, I just, I just need to go to church. I haven't been in church for a long time and I just need to go to church. That's the main thing. I, I know God's not happy with me because I'm not in church. I said, really? So if God came into this coffee shop, sat down at the table with us, the first thing that he would say to you is, <laughs> you know what? You just haven't been in church. And man, that sucks. Yeah. You, I'm just disappointed. You're not in church. 
And the, people will laugh like, oh, yeah, no, he wouldn't say it. Well, but in a second ago, that made That's, sense yeah, to you. So, <laughs> that was in your brain. You know, yeah. God lives in the church. How could he be elsewhere? <laughs> well, just to, to build on all of that and to reference actually something Leah has said many times and it's so true is that for Christians, you have a choice of are you going to try and be a celebrity or are you going to try and be a servant? Yeah. Similarly, and it relates to this question, is your goal to be a genius or is your goal to be on a mission? Because those are two completely different things. Um, Let me break down what I mean. If your goal is to be a genius, if your goal is to be the Bible answer man that always knows what's to say and has an anointed word for everybody, then you need to have an opinion about everything. I mean, you, you just you need to be ready to go. But there's two key things about that. First of all, God's not calling you to be that. Yeah, right. uh, God's not calling you to be a genius, and and other people don't really want you to be that either. That's the second thing. <laughs> Nobody wants you to yeah. be that. Yeah. No one, right. absolutely no one, wants you to be right. that. By contrast, a man on a mission, a person on a mission, only needs to to grasp what they need to grasp for the mission. Let me give you kind of a secular example for a second. My, my training, my schooling, my background is in engineering, and the thing about the scientific body of knowledge, this may have changed, but. Um, when I was in school, I think they said the scientific body of knowledge doubled like every 10 years, um, and that rate would have gone up since then. But if you think about that, there's far more in the scientific world to know than you could ever know. And, yeah. and that rate of knowledge is increasing. There's, there's more and more and more. When you're an engineer, you're designing something, you're trying to solve a problem, you're not meant to be an expert on every aspect of the thing you're working on. You're meant to have a functional knowledge to let you complete the mission you have been assigned. If you're working to design a bridge, you need to know enough about the ground it's sitting on to know it will support the weight of the bridge and the traffic on top of it. You don't need to be an expert on geophysics. That's actually not the same thing. You need to have a functional knowledge, but not an expertise. Those are two different things. Here, spiritually, if the Lord is calling you to go serve a given group of people, where you mentioned in your um, question, assisted suicide, if the Lord's calling you to go be a chaplain um, in hospice care or at a hospital, then you do need to have a functional sense of how to speak to the issue of euthanasia. You need to have some sense of how to speak on that in a compassionate, intelligent, and biblically grounded fashion. If God's calling you to go mentor kids at the Big Brothers Big Sisters Foundation, (laughs) you don't need to have anything on euthanasia at all, but you do need to have a functional knowledge on what do I say to kids from broken homes? What do I say to kids who are struggling with poverty? What do I say about a racial profiling in in the country that I live in? There's functional knowledge that you do need. The way that you arrive at figuring out what functional knowledge you need is by knowing what mission you're on. If you're a genius, you're not on a mission. You have to have smart things to say about everything. But if you're a person on a mission, you can say, these are the areas in which I need a functional knowledge, and then you can dig in using the techniques Glenn is describing and get that functional knowledge, and it's an achievable thing. I think it's a great point. I want to go back to that celebrity versus servant point for just a second, because part of, I think, what gets informed here is part of just all that most of us consume is what is the most, the biggest thing out there. That's kind of yeah. the way mass consumption media works. So whether it is someone right. who has a three hour radio show to fill five days a week or an hour opinion cable news show five days a week, or has to crank out a Christian book every six yeah. months per their contract, you get a lot of having opinions for the sake of having opinions. And this is key having opinions all at the same volume level. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing here. As Lee kind of started us out with this, if it's okay not to have opinion, it's also okay, okay to have 
a nuanced opinion. Sure. It's right. also okay to have a vague opinion because yeah. you admit that I don't know things. But there's a certain um, type of person that's a white male that is not comfortable <laughs> not knowing all the whatnots and the ins and outs and whatnot. So, and this kind of idea of everybody take a stand and have an opinion does not al- actually does not allow for nuanced, constructive opinions. I'm going to take yeah. a very hot button example, but stick with me for just a second. We're going to take through. I'm going to take the example of abortion. Okay. So. There are not two sides of the abortion debate, it turns out. Yeah. You're not pro-abortion or anti-abortion. Here's the thing. Nobody's pro-abortion. Yeah. Nobody thinks there should just be abortions all the time. The actual thing people are talking about is, should abortion be illegal in the United States of America? Now, I'm certainly not pro-abortion. I think abortion is terrible. I, to Lee's point, know several people who have had their lives influenced by that in not a positive way. I know people who have made the decision to go against that and all this. I have a lot of, I have a certain amount of personal experience with that. However, I personally do think because of some stuff, all these statistics I've ever seen say the things that reduce the abortion rate the most are comprehensive sex education and readily available birth control. So if your goal is to reduce abortion, if abortion is your issue, yeah. that's a nuanced opinion, yeah. but right. you're not allowed to have that opinion. Yes. If you're real angry about <laughs> abortion. Yes. There, you're not allowed to have that opinion and go to the anti-abortion rally and say, I am super anti-abortion. I am so anti-abortion. I want us to do the scientifically proven over and over things to get that number as low to zero as we can, because we're not having a rational discussion. We're not even really having opinions. We're just yeah. having feelings pointed at an issue. We just have volume. Just to jump. We have exactly. volume. And, and just to jump right in there, because I think that's so key and so important to be clear what an opinion is. If it, the thing about opinions is you can't tell me I'm wrong because it's my opinion, yeah, you know, and I, and I'm I'm entitled to it. The thing, as four guys that do ministry for a living, the thing that we're pointed to is we actually try to have very few opinions, right? right. Yes. That are just kind of our whimsical thoughts based on nothing. Right. We try to have, as Matt is describing, the view of a professional based on experience and fact. Um, you know, a lot of the work that Glenn has me do involves producing media to help people that are going through a hard time. I have a lot of professional views on how to produce media because I do an enormous amount of it. <laughs> Particularly this week. Particularly this week. Those aren't opinions, exactly. Th- right. Those are the views of a professional in his field. Um, it, what Matt's pointing to with the abortion debate is um, people that study statistics for a living, those aren't their opinions, those are the views of professionals in their field. We have to weight these things differently. It's not a good thing for you to have a lot of opinions that are just based on nothing. They, they're, right. ju- they're just my views, and I'm entitled to them. Kind of not, actually. If you'll focus on serving people, being a servant rather than a celebrity, yeah. if you'll focus on being a person on a mission rather than an expert, rather than a, a genius um, uh, who, who knows the answer to everything, what you'll find is that you have far fewer opinions and far more things where you actually know something about the subject and can give a qualified answer to the question at hand. You know what's funny about that is... Oftentimes, you'll find the people most excited to express their opinions are people for whom no one ever asked their opinion. <laughs> yes. It's yes, funny that how that works out. But here's the thing, to point what Jed's saying, people who actually have a certain amount of expertise is probably too harsh a word. Functional knowledge. Functional knowledge in things. They know what they know, and they also know what they don't know. Yes. So, I, as Jed's pointing out, Jed has a lot of functional knowledge about producing music and videos. If you come to Jed with thoughts on renaissance painting 
He's no not idea. really going to have much to tell you. And he's fine because that's not where his security <laughs> lies. <Right. laughs> but if you just don't really ha- get your identity from that on anything, you feel that I have to have as many opinions as possible. And I think what kind of drives that is you can't actually, as we're pointing out, you can't have a functional knowledge of that many subjects. Yeah. yeah. So what happens is people just kind of regurgitate the things they take in, yeah. which happen to be at top <laughs> volume. And oftentimes, because this is the internet age and it's just the echo chamber thing, you only take in opinions from so many sources because only so many hours in the day. So you got to be careful about what sources you are getting that news from, those opinions from. Lee, can you maybe touch on that for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Jesus said something really cool on this subject, which is he said, wisdom is proved right by her children, which is a verse that means if you want to find out if something is a good idea, look at the results of it. Yes. Did, it, did it work out well? I mean, you know, if you see, in other words, you see like, uh, if you see people that, you know, people that have really, really loud opinions about this is the way that you should raise your kids. This is the way that you should do education. This is the only way to do it. And if, in, if somebody doesn't do it this way, then you're wrong. Well, well, let's look at it. How did that work out for their kids? Was that, was that good? Yeah. Or was it an absolute disaster? Well, I mean, you know, and that's a very, that's a very literal, that's taking Jesus's words very literally, but it's, it can be the results of anything. If somebody has a very, very, you know, dogmatic opinion on something, but you look at their life and it's like, they have, you know, they have poor relationships, they burn a lot of bridges, that kind of stuff. Look at the result of this person's life and work and ministry and thoughts and and attitudes. Is this a person I should be listening to or not? And there's another really cool verse for me from the book of James on this, where James says, the wisdom from heaven is first of all, pure and peaceable. And he goes on through this list. One of the words that he uses in that list is a Greek word that means easily persuaded. And one, I love the idea of a man of God who, who, who says, you know what, I, I, I'm not in love with my opinions, and, and if you can make a cool case for it, I'll listen to you. You know, yeah. a, a man of God who's not, who's not fussed to have everything figured out and says, you know, uh, make your case. Uh, if you've got something to say on it, right. I'll listen to that. And J- the book of James says, that's a wise person. A wise person is ready to listen, ready to listen to your case. What's really cool is like to to Matt's point about Jed, you know, saying Jed does, you know, he's not going to give you give you a lot of opinions on, you know, Renaissance painting. One of the th- cool things about Jed there is that like there have been things that are, uh, you know, uh, where he wants to find something out and it happens to be in a field where I have some functional knowledge because it's in my profession. And the first thing he'll do is write an email to me or, or have a phone call and say, dude, I got a question about this. This is the, this is the area that you work in. This is your wheelhouse. What do you think about that? I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't just automatically think I probably know where this, where this lands. A lot of times he could have guessed in the right direction just because he's a wise dude, but he'll ask somebody that has the professional opinion. And that's what James says. That's a wise man. A wise person is somebody who's easily persuaded, ready to listen. And when I'm looking at the outlets that I'm going to listen to, Jesus said, wisdom is proved right by our children. Do I want to listen to this outlet or not? Is this a good person to be persuaded by or not? 
That's a great point. All right, we're going to close it out there. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Remember, you can find The Bridge every Monday, The Bridge Loud every Friday. You can find us at missionusa.com slash bridgebox or missionusa.com slash bbly. We're going to take you out this week with a song from our latest Bridgebox from Chicago metal band Fire Down. This is their take on the hymn Rock of Ages. So we talked a lot about this, whether it's you know coming out of the breakup or trying to figure out who to hang out with or trying to form your opinions, what it means to actually have some solid footing on who God really is and what he, his real character is. So that's what this song is about. We're going to take you out with that. Remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. We'll take, <laughs> take two. I am so sleepy. Hit it. To save that podcast, seriously, we will podcast for cookies. Yeah.